What up? What up? What up? We're back with another episode of Between Two Posts. Uh, we got a different kind of intro set up today, and I got to remember, Kyle has a note, but it's Everett alongside Kyle and Evan Moyes. Uh, Kyle, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, you're looking beautiful with the facial hair. I think it's. Uh, I think that's that looks for keepers. It's gr- it's grown in nicely, right? For for being of my ethnicity, being Asian. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the Italian in me, so it's uh, it's your, yeah, it's your heritage. It's 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 my namesake. Uh, Evan, how are you? Great, never better. Anything really? good going on? That's, that's not what I heard. Uh, no, I had to uh, go get a couple stitches last night. My chin, four of them. Uh, playing beer league. Obviously, not wearing a cage because why would you wear a cage? Style. Styles first and probably the stupidest thing I've ever done. I'm I ordered a cage already, and uh, puck rode up my stick, split my chin, and originally, obviously, I did what anyone would do, and I just started texting trainers from teams I played for <laughs> over, you know, the two years, and I one actually called me, got on the phone with her, and she's like, "Yeah, like looking at the picture, I can't really be too sure, but you're probably good if you just glue it." So. Uh, I was going to head to, uh, CVS and buy some peroxide and, uh, super glue and just clean it out and glue it together. But then, uh, my dad called me cause I, I messed up something with the bookkeeping at the bar. And then, uh, I was just like, yeah, I got my chin split open. He's like, well, just go to the ER and get it taken care of. And I'm like, yeah, easy for you to say, uh, you know, you're not paying the bill. So. I ended up just going to the ER and I'm lucky I did because I guess I actually needed some stitches. So. All right. Well, I hopefully you ordered that, uh, the cage that's like half cage and half visor. Yeah. I think I, I think that's the one I got or like the, uh, the, yeah, the half cage half visor and it's removable. And then I ordered the visor that has the tint on it. So I look like out there. Nice. (laughs) Style over everything. Uh, Kyle, you told us a little bit about um, your the guy who gave you the stitches. I don't know if Kyle heard that part, uh, but he was like top notch, like the best doctor in Cleveland, right? Yeah, really high quality. Was it? Did you go to like the vet, <laughs> the veterinarian? Just I might. I honestly probably would have been better off. This guy was like probably eighty years old. I'm not even exaggerating, and I, like that's what I didn't understand because I thought if you were like an ER doctor, like the older and longer tenure you had, like the less shitty shifts you got and i was there at like midnight or one in the morning so i was like why is there an 80 year old doctor here right now and i mean this guy like was when he was giving my stitches he took like you know how they have the little piece of paper or whatever like the sterile paper and they cut there's a hole cut in it and then they like put it around like wherever you uh wherever like the area is so all you could all you could see was like the the area where the cut was so literally I'm blindfolded, like laying on this table and I feel the guy's hands like shaking as he's trying to like put, put the, the stitches in me. And I'm like, Oh my God, my dude, my girlfriend came with me and she like got her phone out and she started like videotaping it. She's like, this is not okay. Like <laughs> For legal purposes, like a, mal, like a malpractice suit or something. Yeah. But I think he actually did like the cuts probably like an inch long and like about a quarter inch of it is like still open. So I think he missed a little bit, but 
do they have to like shave that before they stitch it? They were like taking scissors and cutting it. Okay. It's funny because when I was like talking to the one trainer I had that was like, just glue it, like who cares? Uh, they told me like, just don't even like shave it. Don't cut it. Don't do anything. Cause if like a piece of hair gets stuck in there, when you seal it up, like you're getting an infection for sure. And yeah. this guy just gets right in there with scissors and starts yeah. chopping everything up. <laughs> Dude. Well, I I'm, mean, at least you got zipped up and uh, you got to build a show for it and you got your first men's league scar. So like, there's nothing cooler than Chloe seeing you get zippered for taking a buck to the chin from men's league so dude i literally told her i'm like honestly don't like don't ever come to a game again <laughs> i don't come to a game like it's just a, such a waste because it's such bad hockey and then like of course like i feel like there's kind of like an like when you're playing guys that actually played there's like a little bit of like unwritten like all right if a guy's got a stick yeah. kind of in the lane a little bit maybe don't shoot or like if a guy's kind of standing in the lane maybe don't shoot and i mean like I was, I was actively trying to get out of the way of this guy's shooting and it just hit my stick, went right up into my chin. And at first, like I took my glove off quick and I felt it. there's no blood on my hand. And then like fin it, like I finished whatever I got off and I like went up to the, one of the other guys, I'm like, is there any blood coming out of this thing? And they're like, oh yeah. So I don't know. That's the way it goes. And, uh, you know, that's a, that'll be a nice ER bill for me. And uh probably a little bit of a scar so we'll see what happens uh you know best wishes to you evan and especially to your pocket paying that bill but uh we got a special guest here uh for the intro today i wanted to bring him on he's new with the vaughn team not new now i mean kind of getting old and you can tell when you look at connor he looks a little aged just from working looks grizzled. Uh, grizzled. <laughs> grizzled's a polite way to put it but like yeah that's what six months does to you uh folks today listeners everybody at home we have connor reichman with us the famous goaltender from the <laughs> university of wisconsin stevens point he was a d3 champion he's no longer welcome at the alumni golf outing but we'll get into all that uh connor is our new ontario rep covering the ohl and all of our pro teams out there and then all the little ins and outs and he's working out of the london ontario factory so everybody that wants a tour you get to meet connor if you're heading to london but connor how are you? Uh, you know what? Ev? What an intro. Let's see. Uh, let's use the the phrase "famous" loosely <laughs> next time. <laughs> um, Wisconsin is not my second home, so let's uh, leave that as it may. But I'm good, brother. I'm good. That's good. Uh, we thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to uh, come hang with us. I know where you and I are in the midst of trying to sort out the NHL, even though it's already started, and you know kind of just getting piece by piece that we need last minute out and it is what it is. But uh, before we get into anything you do or what you're really here for chicken nuggets or tenders nuggets for sure. Okay. When you're driving down the highway and the traffic starts to get bad and you're slowing down and you're kind of just sitting there, are you listening to Joe Rogan or are you listening to Andrew Tate? <laughs> Joe Rogan. Mm, that's a surprise from us. Um, if uh, a middle-aged man that drives a Corvette and knows all the names of all of the girls that work at his local Hooters and a baby that screams and cries on airplanes, uh, say they're both hanging off the side of a cliff and you can only save one, who do you save? Uh, Hooters, for sure. That guy? Yeah, 100%. Okay. 
smart smart uh yeah. priorities if, sorry he's saving nope. his future self there yeah <laughs> you got her uh if the uh arizona coyotes score a goal in a college rink and no one is around to hear it does it really count <laughs> never uh top three worst colors go uh pink teal and turquoise Kyle doesn't like that answer. Uh, I, I feel like teal is a sick color, like San Jose Sharks teal. Yeah, not about it. Sorry, my friend. All right. He's Canadian. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, how many? In- red or white? Red, white, or poutine doesn't count. <laughs> um, Connor, how many Instagram posts have you deleted because it didn't get the amount of likes you wanted it to have? <laughs> everyone. Okay. Uh, if you could quantify everyone into uh, a number of posts, exactly what are, what are we thinking? Uh, around 69 okay nice uh you uh, you hide likes absolutely yeah i started doing that on some of mine yeah i'm just i'm not here for the ego trip you know let the let the people wonder they're like maybe maybe he got that's a thousand it. yeah that's it they'll never know yeah <laughs> i mean kyle you really did blow up after uh you know what's it called i mean you jumped from like a thousand to 20 25 three three thousand followers yeah, i think i'm at yeah, I, I definitely got a lot. I was a little rattled. All I really wanted out of that whole ebug experience was to get verified. verified. <laughs> Didn't happen. Yeah, but like, hey, how much of them are actually paid likes, though? Are you paying for them over there? No, I said I just hide the likes. No. Oh, okay. You're not actually like dropping a paycheck just to get some no. likes. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I just hide the likes. So people, because, so what I did actually for, for all the listeners to really know. <laughs> so like my, my, uh, like blues posts got like 2000 likes and obviously everything since then humble like, brag my next best is like five or seven hundred so anything like under that i'm kind of just hiding so people are like oh 500 700 <laughs> yeah. and then 2000 like all right so yeah oh man <laughs> kyle i think you can get well we're, we'll we will work on getting your instagram verified uh you just got to send an invoice in or something like that um Back to Connor, do you think lions and the jungle know that whales exist in the oceans? No, probably not. Why? I don't think they venture that far. Uh, Connor, if a turtle loses its shell, does that make it naked or homeless? Without both. Can I say both? Is that allowed? I there's, don't think there's so. There's naked homeless people out there, for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That was my next point. I mean, travel down the travel down the street here in the London factory. I mean, you'll see them everywhere. I was just going to say, not, you should ask Moiser. You should ask Moiser about Ohio. I'm sure those parts got some naked homeless people running around. Most people are turtles. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, pretty quick down here if you don't... Uh, you don't know, be careful around the factory. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know there's a couple of people that have driven into work and gotten fist fights uh, getting out yeah, of the car. So I'm looking at at your ceiling background right now, and we can already um, know me. what's going on. Doing a little something going on in here. <laughs> Tight uh, Can't get a ceiling tile. Connor, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're going to be doing with Vaughn Custom Sports these days. Uh, yeah, so like you said, I'm the uh, Canadian pro rep here, London Factory. A little cool. bit about myself. Um, had a awful hockey career. Didn't go my way. Um, 
Stevens Point, yeah, Stevens Point, uh, two years there, did okay. Went to Northern Michigan, back to back COVID, never played a game. Um, yeah, wasn't, uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun though. Loved it. And we put a bow on that, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, that's it. We'll leave I it mean, at that. Um, Connor, I'm not gonna lie, buddy. Uh, your 18 19 season though was quite a season. Uh, I don't want you to sell yourself short there. You won Natty's, and I guess based on what Milosic said, if you'd have played another two years there, you would have just crushed everybody's records. Um, you know what? I had a ton of fun. A uh, ton of fun in Wisconsin. Really great time. Phenomenal program over there. Um, yeah, kind of like you mentioned on the show, an opportunity came up and seemed like it was something that was too good to be true, and little did I know, it really was. <laughs> Oh man, um, I mean, with that, <laughs> with that being said, I did, I didn't want to segue us into talking a little bit about your time in Marquette, although it might have been too good to be true. Um, can you explain to me what a pasty is? A pasty? Yeah. Oh, like these guys are all about the pasties over there. Look, They're gross. I, I'm all about the pasties the, too. No, that, no you're not. not that good. False. Overrated. Gross. Yeah. Funny. Oh. oh. What's going on? Do you guys hear that? Yeah, what just happened? I don't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. What? Oh, it's Elite Prospects is giving us an ad. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, anyways, pasties. Explain what one of those are, Connor. You want me to explain what a pasty is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to explain I'll what a pasty explain is. It. That's a great question. I haven't fired up. It's fucking deluctin. It's just a meat. It's a meat pie built for grit. And for grit. You literally just, it's got taters. It's got uh, like the ones my mom makes. It's taters, steak, uh, sometimes carrots, uh, a little bit of onion. And, uh, you know, you wrap them up into a little little whatever like a hot pocket sort of deal kind of and you just go to muck town and they're one yeah. of the biggest things you could ever put in your mouth yeah okay up is all about it but like not overrated up overrated for sure so do you guys know why that's such a big mid- midwestern thing because kyle you there's no shot that florida has. yeah no they just eat mexican yeah, food i um, never heard of that i also <laughs> haven't heard the word deluctant before so well, I, said it. I said it yeah the miners uh, take them in the mines yeah so back in the day like yeah you'd 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 heat them up you put them in your you know your uh your lunch pail take your canteen down to the uh the old uh, here in mine get in there start digging away and by the time you go to eat lunch they're still warm because they're just like a little hot uh hot pocket like evan said so but yeah driving through the up there ain't really fuck all to do but eat pasties and uh play in the snow nothing good comes from there Absolutely not. Nothing good comes from there. Nope. But the setup was sick. I just found that stock in your Instagram. The uh, the swirl. The V2 swirl. Con- Connor, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm, what's up? He was He's oh, pumping just, your tires. I just, com- your, yeah, right? I just complimented you. Pumped your tires. Didn't hear him there. What's going on? Oh, I said I said your setup was sick, though, with the, the V2 swirl. That's probably the only good thing oh, to come out of there. 
Yeah, that, that's by far the only good thing that came out of Marquette ever, period. I, I do have a question about that because I know you weren't too happy when you got those from me, right? I was not, no. Yeah, we got to hash it out because um, yeah, we don't, you know, like something that I think, I mean, Connor now is in the know and we're working towards figuring out because, again, I'm still pushing that envelope, you know, even with or with Connor, with hash or without it. having Connor on the staff. I, it's something I've been asking for, but we always have a, a channel in our boot, right? And Evan had it before. I know he's had it for a fact, but to, to fill out our boot channel to try and flatten it out, we can only add foam. We can never truly be flat there. Uh, and Connor asked for a flat boot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do that. We'll just add foam into the middle. I got a call immediately when I got those. Hey, this doesn't have it. Got a call from the equipment guy who was, well, he doesn't know, you know, if you told him the pad was 36 inches and you send him like a, a youth pad, he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's it. Like he doesn't know specs, doesn't know what anything looks like. And he goes, this kid's, this kid's upset over it. What did you not do? And I'm like, the guy like this is this is that's our flat boot like that's what it kind of comes down to but connor what was it like on your end <laughs> uh, which end do you want me as the actual customer or me dealing with my equipment guy <laughs> no because i know i know the equipment <laughs> thing is yeah that, that's a story in itself wanna... but you you as the goalie receiving stuff that was not up to to snuff based on what i put together for you uh you know what like coming from i guess being in the factory now it's a different story but Oh, Not now, now we, now we yeah. understand. Like, I know and understand what we can and cannot do, but, um, yeah, you know what? It, it ended up being fine because realistically I never played that many games anyways. So, <laughs> you know what? Pad didn't turn out that bad. Okay. That's good. Ev, um, hey, at least he didn't mess up your colors. <laughs> Ev's, Ev's got a record of that. So. Yeah. I, uh, I owe Sam Metcalf a fix like now. So. What's that? Uh, there's only three color options for me. I mean, I had the one swirl. I mean, I didn't think he could. Oh, he can't. He can't. He messed up two can't color options. On what? I thought you had the, the, the green was wrong. That's a two color pad. It was green and blue. Oh, no, that wasn't Connor. That was. Yeah, that was this year. I donked up. Uh, and my, my glove, too. Mercy Hurst. It's still on the. Uh, I'm still holding a grudge over that. Which one? Thousand with me. Uh, like 2018, at a the V graphic glove. Oh, I had it flipped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, shout out uh, friend of the pod, Sam Metcalf. I looked at his stuff today, and I I don't know how it got to this point because I'm pretty sure I drew it, but I can't find the drawing that it was it would have been attached to the order. Um, but I got to freehand drew a graphic. No, like I'm talking like uh, like on Adobe, like I'll draw up like a mock-up that you can't do like on the customizer and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm missing Navy under a couple pulses, so I'm going to have to fix that. But you know what? At the end of the day, I make sure I get it right and we send it back out. So. I, wasn't even, I was talking about the Mercyhurst kid. No, I know the Mercyhurst one. I, I dunk that up too, but that's getting fixed and we're working on that. But you know, like. I deal with a lot of guys. There's a lot of yeah. shit coming across my table and a lot of different colors. And we don't just have stock graphics that, you know, uh, most kids can go on a customizer and they send in and they never talk to a rep. So uh, the best there's a little personality involved yeah. with this. Um, you're pay you're paying for the ex the experience, the <laughs> connection with Everett, <laughs> the friendship. <laughs> that's, that's really what this all comes down to. Um, 
Connor, I got to get the heat off of me and come back to you. Uh, you're famous on Eagle TikTok now. Um, I get you got a sweet package, dude. Like yeah. that thing's slang it. <laughs> you know what? They caught me on a good day. <laughs> you guys, I'll have to send it to you. Um, Connor was modeling the new Eagle Jock, mm-hmm. which has a cup in it, and it cut to him, cut from Connor opening up the cup to him actually wearing it. So I don't know what went into the changes, but it looks very filled out. So it's good yeah. for you, man. Yeah, you know, it's cinematic glory at its finest. Let's be honest. We do have some of the best video editors in house. So absolutely. So that's good. Yeah. Really. Um, I'm counting actually after that. I got a few DMs. I'll take it. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. This, that's exactly how you want that that's move to play exactly out for you. Hoping for, yeah. Um, with uh, I do want to ask, what was Max like at Stevens Point? Because you guys had a year, right? Yep, absolutely. I He's mean, he's out there. Max the is guy, a beauty. Yeah, there's nothing short of legendary with that guy. I mean, <laughs> on and off the ice, like the guy was just an animal in every category. Uh, do you have any one story about Max that sticks out to you? Uh, the fact that this guy was, <laughs> I saw the fight that he, that he almost got into in Adrian. That was nuts. What happened? Oh, we were in, or Adrian was at our place at the KB Willett. Uh, Stephen Beauvais, defenseman shout out, ended up getting in a fight in that game. Hilarious. Michigan guy. Yeah. Um, anyways. Adrian and us are huge rivals, so we're up. We ended up winning that game anyways. There's like four minutes left in the game, and Beauvais getting in this fight, and Max is just kind of hanging out in the corner, doing his thing, taunting the other kid to come down. And they're like both of our coaches are screaming at each other, literally bloody murder. The refs are getting like, can't keep up, can't keep Beauvais out of it, can't keep our coaches out of it. Uh, Max is just taunting the other kid. He wanted to come down. Anyways, one of the lineies came in kind of pushed him out from center ice and held him back. That's tough. That would have been a legendary fight. It would have been sick. The KB will, it doesn't hold that many people, but that place was bumping to say the least. Absolutely banging. Um, well, Connor, uh, I do want to ask, uh, with you being a new rep in the area, it's a sure. breath of fresh air for all of us. Um, you know, being the new rep, what are you going to do differently? <laughs> Um, in comparison to who <laughs> anything else done previously. Yeah. Um, show up would be probably be the first one. Okay. Um, I guess, uh, no shame on the guy that was previously here, but, um, visits were, I guess not too often. So, um, showing up, you know, making sure that these kids actually have a contact to reach out to and, you know, making sure guys actually get gear. You uh you already had a couple big swings here. I mean, you're taking care of Joe Ranger. That's a big one. Um, you you uh, what's the kid's name that we just talked about? Not Ranger. No. Um, come on, V10 set. Oh, Jackson Parsons. Jackson Parsons. Oh, yeah, you switched that's, that's him. Sick. Yeah, V10 Kitchener Rangers. Looks dope. Anyone else you got? Uh, you got cooking. Uh yeah, Ryerson Leanders, first OHL pick goalie this year. Mississauga. Mississauga. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a big one moving forward. Um, Shout out to the GOAT for the help on that one, right? Yeah. Oh, the GOAT. This this guy, there's nothing short of a magician when it comes to getting guys in the bond. There's oh, only man. one GOAT you could be talking about, right, Ev? 
Yeah, friend of the pod, Steve McKeegan. Okay. I'm making sure. I'm making sure you're not no. disrespecting this guy's name the, out here. The goat, the goat, the only one, singular. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> Big advocate for Vaughn hockey. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Huge. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's awesome, Connor. I do want to ask with you guys. I mean, you guys have all seen it. We took a lot of heat, and I, you know, like I always explain, uh, you know, everybody at the office, everyone's like, man, like a lot of people don't like the graphic, but there's a lot of people that say this, that, and the other. And we're talking about comments and stuff like that. Uh, my point of view on all that stuff, though, is like anytime a new graphic releases from every company besides one, which we could get into if we wanted to, uh, everybody always hates. And it looks like this, that, or the other thing. But once people start to see it in like different colorways and more guys are in it, everything always seems to go, oh, like, well, these look pretty sick. I can't wait to get on the customizer for that. Um, gonna, I think the V10 is sweet. Dude, also, how many people order, like, an all-white pad or, like, don't even use all the zones? So, like, yeah, or go or go custom different graphics. So, like, take it at that, I guess. I don't What's know. What's wrong with ordering all-white pads? Well, <laughs> imagine this, Ev. Imagine someone goes through all this work and says i want to put a 10 year old graphic on the newest pad we have but i don't want anyone to see this graphic i i, I just want every color zone to be the same all white but i still want this throwback graphic on there because that'd be sick i mean you'd have to be an absolute pigeon <laughs> to do that right <laughs> like what do you okay, it's all about the soul line boys come on <laughs> what if you play for 19 fucking teams in one year <laughs> And you can't, you can't even keep up by the, by the time, by the time I ordered the, the, the order actually went in, I would have been on my fourth different team. I don't know. Maybe you should have done like one color from each team. Like just rainbow. Yeah. That would have been kind of sick. In the, in the amount of time that Evan would have had to take to put on pad wrap for one team, he'd be putting new pad yeah. wrap on for the next yeah. team. Yeah. Might as well just buy them out of business. Yeah. Oh, um, Connor, did you see Evan's retirement post? He's finally hanging them up. I did see that. You know, congratulations. It's been like I said, it was a hell of, hell of a career. Yeah. Big ride. Big ride. Seventeen games. Yeah, that's it. So, um, you guys got anything else here? Um, do we want to be serious at all, or are we just fucking around? Well, it, yeah. I mean, oh, serious pod, Evan. Yeah. 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 you're just ripping with the boys here uh, do you have something you want to talk about Evan? Well, i just wanted to ask him because i mean that's kind of unheard of like uh division three to division one transfer i just wanted to ask how that uh came about and everything like that because i i mean my my curiosity with it is i'm surprised it doesn't happen more because like you think like and i like this is just an example that comes right to my head is like last year lafontaine leaving um obviously to sign with carolina and you think Oops. at that point, yeah. at that point, uh, they had uh, a fr- like a, like a freshman, I think, and then maybe a, a third guy that hadn't really played at all, or I don't. They didn't really have anything to fill in for him. And you think maybe okay, you go out to a Division three school and find a kid, you get him in at Christmas that actually has some experience, you know, carrying a load and playing college hockey. Um, so I mean I'm surprised I'm surprised it doesn't get used more in situations like that or like a guy has like a season-ending injury or something like that. But 
no, I was, I was more or less just curious. Um, like did Northern Miss reach out to you? Do they reach out to your coaches? Like what was that process all like? Yeah. So once we finished up with the national championship, whatnot, we kind of went back home and I was training. Um, I'm fortunate enough to train with a bunch of, you know, half decent NHL guys that come down to Muskoka area in the summer. So I was training with those guys. They happened to have like their agents and uh, scouts kind of that were there. Um, they more or less reached out uh, to my agent to see kind of where the lay of the land was. They kind of liked what they saw, I guess. And um, at the end of the day, it boiled down to like, if I wanted to pursue a professional hockey career, they're like, look, you got to get out of division three. Like, that's just, we can't, we can't get a guy to sign a contract from division three. It just doesn't happen. So they're like, we need, we need that division one on your, on your resume essentially. And at the time, like the whole portal process of NCAA is a bit of a shit show to say the least. So I put my name in the portal immediately. My coach, I mean, he's obviously in contact through this whole process. Um, Immediately went sour. So um, there was really no hope in the division three fallback at that point. It was more or less, I put my name in the portal and I'm gone. So smell you later. Yeah. Cut ties. Wasn't, uh, wasn't a healthy breakup to say the least. Uh, put my name in the portal. Yeah. I got reached, I uh, reached out by uh, four or five teams. And then at that point it was um, more or less what was the best opportunity. And at the time it seemed like Northern Michigan was the best fit. Yeah. No. And I mean, you're, you're right. Like you either have to be like, the like cream of the crop you know top guy at division three for four years play you know 100 games what like you really have to or you can be like a guy that plays a few games at the division one level and you just squeak in simply because i mean you're you're right your agent was right like i feel like that just having that tag by your name helps a lot i mean stupid as it sounds there's a lot of guys in division three that are probably a hell of a lot better than i am or was i guess i should say now and uh I feel like I probably just got a lot of the opportunities I got because I had, you know, Ohio state division one by my name when guys were looking at lists and stuff like that. So, you know what, like I had, I got lucky enough to have a few conversations with um, some like NHL development guys and or scouts and whatnot. And they straight up were like, look, division three, I don't care like what your stats are. They could be the best period ever. They're like, the fact that like we're going to bring this up to a, to a coach GM, anybody that like, we want this kid to come to camp. They're going to laugh at me out of the room. And they're like, we just need, like you you just need the tagline beside your name. And then like, it's like, you can go from there. That's something that like we can work with. Yeah. And then I transferred and then it was back to back COVID and it was a disaster to say the least. So. Yeah. Tough bounce, but you're saying it doesn't matter if your first team, all American D three, Second team, all you show overall, you know, Natty champ, all, all conference team in the WIACA, WIAC champ, and WIAC player of the year. It did not. Nope. It is. It's kind of, the, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously Evan has more insight on that, but it's just the way the lay of the land works with, like you said, uh, GM's going to talk to, or coaches and players trying to talk to GMs about like, hey, we're going to bring this and bring that in. It's just. I I guess I don't know you want to call it a stigma or something that's linked to it, but you know, kind of just the way she goes, unfortunately. That's yeah, the way they operate, you know. <clears throat> so, 
it's a tough it's a tough sell for them you, like again luckily enough you know i was fortunate to kind of get those accolades but um bring even bringing that forward they're like it the kid played division three like how realistically like how good was that how good was that hockey was the conversation at the end of the day mm-hmm. but uh at the end of the day i mean all roads lead to vaughn anyway so here we are absolutely <laughs> and here we are <laughs> uh evan you got anything else no sir i was just really curious about that whole process but nice well, talking a little bit yeah i appreciate that connor um Obviously, you're going to be stuck with me for a little while here. Uh, thanks for hopping on here and kind of giving us a rundown of uh, your background and what people should expect from you and how much of a legend you are and uh, what we're gonna what we're gonna see in the OHL here coming up soon. But oh, are you gonna go out to uh, you going out to Sudbury for Sudbury Saturday night when they're doing the is it Shorzy is it Letterkenny night something like that? Yeah, they're having Shorzy night. I might have to make the trip. It actually looks sick. Like they're wearing the Bulldog Uni and everything. Yeah. Fowler yeah. sent it to me. So yeah, pretty special. So uh, shout out Steve Fowler. He's a gem, a beauty, all around legend. So, hey, you Love. know what? Shout out Kelsey Nugent, too. She listens to these. I don't know why. I don't know <laughs> why she does. Uh, Kelsey, she. Uh, Kelsey, huge fan. Huge fan. Yep. She bought the merch. She has a shirt and everything. Yeah. Um, huge uh huge between two posts fan shout out kelsey up there uh just dealing with me on emails and making sure everything gets out right so we appreciate all that help but connor thanks again buddy thank you what'd you say there absolute backbone von hockey built off of her so um but yeah thanks buddy and we'll talk to you shortly appreciate it um Oh, so I guess the way that this is going to lay down, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, and follow. We're going to kick it over to our next guest. It's Kirk McLean. He played in the NHL, uh, kind of a big deal, uh, legendary style guy, paved the way for a lot of young goalies uh, in terms of what they wear and how they wear it. And I think he's got one of those most iconic setups from back then. So be sure, new episodes every Wednesday, like, subscribe, follow get notifications, leave comments, DM Kyle and Evan, tell them how great they look, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. (laughs) We're going to step away very briefly for a quick word from our sponsor. Take your goaltending development to the next level by giving your goalies a crease every drill. Easy crease quickly and easily gives goalies a crease anywhere on the ice. This works great for small area games, goalie clinics, or anytime your goalie doesn't have a crease. You can order these at www.easycrease.com. Again, www.easycrease.com, or check them out on Amazon. I'm a huge advocate for Easy Crease. I think you can use this at every level, whether you're you know coaching in major junior, high school hockey, or you're just dealing with 12-year-olds or anyone younger. Anytime you go cross crease or you're warming up in the uh, in the middle of the ice between the blue lines, if you're using like for younger kids, you're using shared ice, so players on both ends. Uh, you're doing a goalie clinic and you want kids to start doing a lot of crease movements. You move the net around. You use one net. You don't you know peg it, and you move the net around. You trace out you know three, four, five different creases depending on the goalies. Everyone can start skating and hitting their spots. The other thing is, I don't think this is just for goalie coaches. I think this is for goalies themselves. If you don't have a goalie coach and your team is doing half ice stuff, 
bring the marker out with you when you guys go to half ice and you're doing cross-ice drills or games or anything like that small area stuff boom grab the marker quick uh you know hook it onto the net uh, do your little C cuts coming backwards. One quick crease, boom, you're done. Now you can hit your spots. Now you have a feel of where you're at on the ice, just like you do when you play full ice and you're in the painted crease, right? I think this is a huge tool for anyone to have. I think if you don't have it in your bag and you don't carry it around with you on the rink, you're making a mistake. Again, it's super easy, quick hook system. You drop it out of the net. You don't have to clip anything, nothing. Boom, press the marker into the ice. You're skating backwards. You have crease in seconds. So definitely check them out, easycrease.com. If you're a social media person like I am, they have an Instagram, at easycrease. Again, E-A-S-Y-C-R-E-A-S-E. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. Now uh, we'll take it, kick it back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back with another episode, and we're very lucky for our next guest. He has over 610 games played in the National Hockey League. With recorded over 245 wins, 14,963 saves, carried a 3.26 goals against average with an 887 save percentage, 22 shutouts, and he was a two-time NHL All-Star. Kirk McLean, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I know you got uh, you got a lot of stuff going out there. Do you stay out in Vancouver? Is that where you're living now? Yeah, I am. Yes, I've been out here pretty much since the day I got traded in '87. Um, I would. I'm from uh, Toronto area originally. Played my junior in Oshawa, and then would go back first year and a half, two years for the summers. But um, it, it became pretty apparent that uh, Vancouver was going to be home and. And of course, playing the bulk of my career here it made it uh, pretty easy, you know, as far as uh, meeting friends and networking and what have you. So it's awesome out here. The weather, the weather is just, we're, we're in the fall right now. It feels like a midsummer's day. Wait, really? It's not, you're yeah. not starting to freeze out there yet? No, gosh, no. We're hitting, I think today it's getting up to uh, 24, 25 degrees. Oh man, that's, you ready to go hit the sticks then, huh? Well, I played Friday, I think the, for the last time for the winter, unless something special comes up. But, uh, I mean, it's certainly golfing weather. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, totally get it. Um, but yeah, thank you for, uh, thank you for hopping on. I mean, I got to start Kirk. You have one of the most legendary equipment setups out there. Like <laughs> I think somebody posted it or maybe we were talking about it before, but it's one of those things where like when equipment was coming out through those eras all the way yeah. up until like the early two thousands, like, Guys had looks. Andy Moog had a look. You had a look. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, you know, you get a little bit of white with your team colors and, you know, you get the modern day graphic and that's about it. But uh, you had one of the most famous setups. And like my background shows, I think it was really cool when you guys got to go back and you did that night with the Vancouver when they did the throwback jersey. How awesome was putting that stuff back on? Well, you know, thank you for that compliment. I always, I never look to spice it up too much. I'm pretty laid back guy. So that's the look I went for pretty, pretty simple, but effective, I guess. Like you said, Andy Moog had, you know, his look or, or, you know, Sean Burke had his look or an Eddie Belfour had their look. But, uh, um, you know, nowadays I, I think, uh, you know, the, the goalie coaches have a lot of say to what <laughs> the, the goaltenders are, are wearing. They, they obviously don't want them to wear dark colors because they, with all this analytics stuff that goes on, they, they want the white. So the players are, 
are uh, seeing less of the net. I guess that's the the idea behind that. But I, I'm not a big believer in that. At the end of the day, you got to stop the puck. I don't think you're going to fool these guys with what you're wearing. Um, as far as what's behind you there, if you're going to you're going to maybe react a little goofy here. Uh, the only thing that's actually mine in that whole setup is my mask and the stick. Um, at, when I retired, I basically got rid of everything. And of course, I retired with the Rangers. So I should say I still have a few uh, Ranger colored gloves. But, um, you know, everything, you know, I kept for a little bit and had the uh, the I love me room and the I love me wall and all that kind of jazz. And, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I finally grew up and said, listen, this is, this is some of the stuff I'm going to keep. Obviously that's very sentimental, but most of it's, uh, other people and, and, uh, are going to get, uh, way more out of it than, than what I'm going to get. And then, you know, I'm going to just kind of donate and the money will go to charity that. So, um, the, the pads and the gloves and the, well, the pants are obviously from the Canucks, uh, the skates, the skates were, I believe, Dan Cloutier skates that were still left behind. And really, in in the, in the locker room, and and the uh, the glove and the and the pads are um, from a local firefighter, uh, where where the Pat O'Neill um, and the rest of the the training uh, equipment staff, you know, put a word out on Facebook or or whatever, see if anybody had any kind of replica um uh, equipment of my own and this this fella you know had a bang on if when you look at it i mean the, it's the new age pads not what i wore and, and the new age gloves so it was a little different skating and a little different putting the gloves on but it really worked really well and and i'm happy uh you know he came forward and and um you know let me use it for the for the one night it was fantastic the the, the body armor itself you know, I tried putting on some of the new stuff. Maybe the, the couple of guys, uh, you know, had extra the goalies yep. at the time, but you know, it didn't look like me. I looked like a robot out there. So a friend <laughs> of mine, just a local friend of mine, who's, who's, you know, I'm, I'm what, six foot six and a bit. He's probably pushing five, five, ten and around there. So a little bit smaller than me. It's actually his gear that, that he wears or wore, and it's all broken down. So it looked like it was, uh, kind of what I did because as you guys may or not know that, you know, I've, I, I, I wore the same body armor pretty much my whole career. And I, you know, I cut everything out to make it uh, not smaller, just a, a little bit more um, mobile, um, mobile and free. I just like to, uh, to, to be able to move my, uh, you know, my, my head and be able to see, you know, over my shoulder. And, and I, it sounds crazy, but I like to feel the puck because I wanted to know where the, the rebounds were going. Hmm. Now like a uh, guard snow with the no. loaders that were <laughs> well yeah well he was he was definitely an innovator in that and and you know obviously taking advantage of the rules at the time and and why not I mean it's a you know I think goaltenders as much as they can even though they're they're monitored uh, quite closely now not just the goaltenders but the the trainers and and the teams you know because of the league going around and doing all the measurement measurements but back then if you could you can kind of uh, cheat a wee bit uh, why not i mean it's uh that's what the you know stopping the puck is all about the players i think the players cheat a little bit on their sticks back in the day with the the curves because there was a, a, a illegal curve at that time now i don't think there is um and these guys shoot too hard and and uh so any advantage you can get if you can get away with it why not did you ever find it uh, like a difference between spotting the puck 
after it, it would hit you and if it's uh like around oh. a dark pad compared to a lighter pad? Um, no, I like I said, I think that's all baloney or bull crap or whatever. You know, I, I'm not a, a big analytics guy. Um, you know, I guess in theory, it makes sense. It's the same thing with a player when they use black tape, it's supposed to hide the puck. But, you know, I knew an awful lot of uh, players that had white tape that were pretty darn good. And that didn't seem to bother them from getting points. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, Kirky, I mean, you gave us a lot to unpack. The first thing I got to bring up is like, you want to talk about serendipity. So like you had <laughs> mentioned with that set, I yeah. remember, so that went through Vaughn Canada. I remember when I got photos of it by our, our guys who were working up there, like, guys, check out how cool this is. Like, this is, yeah. this is we're building what kind of new at that time with all as, as close as we could to what you had, like even the red patch on the side, like we don't, right. we don't do that anymore where you do the red patch where the name is, you could change that color and the black front having the Nash on it, all that. And when it came out, we just thought initially like, like, this is so cool. Like this looks as close as we could possibly get without really doing it to what, right. you know, uh, Kirk had worn. Huh? Didn't weren't the logos like the new logos and the guy took them off and painted them though like painted the old Vaughn logo on wasn't that the thing he also did that there was I don't think he did them but there's a guy who can do like the old legacy font because we can't right. we don't, there's that company doesn't exist to where they can get us that art anymore um but he there's a guy who hand does them for one-offs and also that guy chirps us he's like well why can't you do the original <laughs> thing and it's like well when you do one pair it's easy but try doing a couple hundred for everybody across right. like the world it's different um right takes a lot of time but you want to talk about serendipity because that guy ordered it obviously because he's a fan of the setup loved your gear mm -hmm. wanted to replicate it how cool but then for it to all come together where you were gonna get out on ice they wanted you in the jersey the setup like yeah. for him and yourself like unbelievable moment well it really it really was and 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 that's the first time i had full gear on since the day i retired so at that yep. particular time it would have been 18 19 years and I actually, it's a funny story. I mean, all the guys that came out, the older guys anyways, like, I mean, Bertuzzi came out in the Sedin, so they were fairly, fairly fresh. But myself, Stan Schmiel and, and uh, Dennis Kearns, um, you know, the night, the night before, I'm down at the rink, you know, putting goalie skates on for the first time in 18. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to freaking screw up here. I better get out there and, and go for a twirl. So I put those on and went for a twirl trying to get my balance on the goalie skates again. And then slowly, you know, got into that. And then I came back into the room and put the pads on because as you know, they're not the same pads as I wore. And, you know, I wore 34 inch pads and, you know, these things are, I believe were 34, 35. So not much, but, but nothing like the old, the old yeah. school 34. <laughs> so, so I'm, a, you know, I'm out there and it's a different channel and, you know, there's like less straps. And so everything's like loose and flimsy. And I said, I have to, I have to learn how to skate with pads on again. Never mind that, you know, coming from the Zamboni uh, area out to the, the blue line, it's longer than it, than it looks, especially if you haven't done it for a while. So, you know, I know Stan Schmiel did the same thing. He went out and skated around because he hadn't skated around on skates for a while just to get his balance. Uh, Dennis Kearns went went to a, uh, his his local arena and and actually used a not a chair but one of those you know those uh, uh, braces or those like the old you know, older community use when they put a ball on the end to help yeah the walker the walker yep and so he needed that for the first uh, 
lap or two to get its balance. And, and then, uh, you know, we take a lot of pride in it because it would have been quite embarrassing if, if we couldn't figure a way to get out from, um, you know, from point A to point B, let alone get back again. But it all worked out in the, at the end of the day. And it was, it was so cool. You know, as soon as I put that stuff back on, you, you immediately get back into your regular routine that, that I always had. Uh, prep, prepping for a game and and uh, it was just it was just really cool I remember you know we we're out there for the national anthems and and I looked over afterwards to to steamer Stan Schmiel and we both looked at each other we didn't want to leave we said <laughs> let's go let's let's line up I'll go on the net and you go take the face off so that would have been kind of cool if they if the league would have allowed us to do that but of course uh, the tv contracts uh, didn't allow for the time Oh man, I was gonna say you you got sixty more minutes in your Kirk. Let's get one more going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. You know, I would have been a little bit off balance. I, I think if I ever do put the gear on, I'll be coming. Obviously, uh, calling you guys, getting my old setup uh, uh, created, and and I'd have to train probably six months if if we were to play a heritage game or something like that against the. I thought it was going to happen back in whenever it was 2000 something mid 2000s when we had it at BC place when uh, they played Ottawa, but uh, uh, that didn't work out. I don't think Ottawa was ready to, to ice a, a full alumni team yet. So they were scared. That would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it's a little different now because uh, you know, guys retire and there's so many options to stay around the game, even just yeah. like an advisory role or TV yeah. or, skills coach so uh, yeah. at that time when you retired did were you kind of maybe just needed a break from the game or yeah there just weren't yeah. any options no you know what you're right I mean everybody this is what we know we, we've been doing it since we we're what six years old and then in my case whatever 30 36 years old or so bam it's over with and and uh you know I'd I'd been planning it probably for the last two years of my career because I I basically was backing up Mike Richter at the end there, which was, which was great, you know, and I was, I was ready to change my roles. Um, you know, my ultimate goal was to come back here and finish off here, whether it be a, another year or two and just tutor at that time, Dan Cluche. But uh, um, I think Berkey was, was the, the GM at the time and he, he, you know, he was going in another direction. So I packed it in and I wasn't about just to hang on for the sake of hanging on. Um, I enjoyed my little adventure you know, after I was traded away, uh, you know, it, it did, it did uh, devastate me. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I thought at that point, it was a pretty good chance I was going to retire as a Canuck and stay a Canuck. But, uh, you know, like, that's what, that's what happens in the game. And, you know, I, I didn't want to go over to Europe and try that route. I just, I want to go out my own, my own terms. And, you know, I was, I was ready for it. I guess the body was starting to break down. And, uh, you know, you miss competing when you do shut it down. I kept my, my foot in the door and, and around the game. You know, we have an unbelievable alumni here and, and uh, um, they're second to none. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I may sound biased, I guess, but I, do, I truly believe we do have the best in the league. And, and they made it uh, really easy for the transition because they were always around, they're open arms. They put no pressure on you to play goal or anything like that. And, you know, I, I, right off the bat came out and played as a forward or a defenseman and, and uh, to this day do the same thing. And, and um, you know, I, like you said, I took a few years off or a year and a half off and then got into the broadcasting a little bit when pay-per-view uh, around the league or in, like, with the Canadian teams anyways, became kind of the, the in vogue type of thing to do where everybody thought that was going to be the next thing that, 
that was going to happen. And then that faded away um, and then fell into a little bit of a position with uh, the Avs. Um, I got a phone call from a couple ex teammates, uh, Eric Lacroix and Craig Billington, and asked if I would be interested in being a consultant, not a full-on uh, goaltender coach. And I jumped at the, the opportunity, and it was fantastic. It was a learning, learning experience for me. Um, and as a goaltender, and I think even as a coach or, or, or a, a, a goaltending coach, you're still learning the game. Listen, I'm still learning the game today because it changes, you know, weekly uh, the way that the goaltender position is and, of course, the way the game is being played. So I loved it. I loved being back hands-on, whether it was with the, the main club and, and with the Avs or, or working with, at that time, the uh, Lake Erie Monsters, their, their farm club. So oh, Lake yeah. Erie there. <laughs> yeah. I know you, you the also mistake mentioned... by the, the, the mistake by the lake. Huh? That's my backyard. We're talking about. We have to be careful. I know you mentioned um, about how, you know, you're not a huge analytics guy. So what's your yeah. kind of take on, on the game today where everything is so almost robotic and analytic and. Well, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's robotic. I mean, the, We've got such wonderful talent out there, and 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 the hockey is 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 so fast and so good, but it does get robotic at, at some points. You know, I wish I wish there was like two coaches on the bench instead of five. Um, and you've got enough video coaches, and the guys are on the bench. They you know they come off the shift. They they look at their iPads to see what's going on, and there's always something happening. Just play the game. You know, go out there, have fun, and yeah, there's, there's, there's probably within, within your own shift, there's probably seven mini games going on. So when I'm in analytics, when, when you have a player going down on a goaltender and all he's thinking is, is from the meeting this morning that he's got brown eyes. So he's weak on the, on the glove side, <laughs> it's something like that. You know, that's kind of, kind of weird, you know, it's going to yeah. change, you know, cause you have somebody breathing down your neck, trying to, mm-hmm. to catch you or, 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 or knock you off the puck. And, and you got to make a decision, split decision at that moment, whether you're going to take it to the net, shoot the puck, or you're going to make a play. Um, you know, maybe on a penalty shot or the shootouts, okay. Mm-hmm. You go over the bench, you pull out the the iPad, or you talk to the goaltending uh, coach. Uh, okay, where is he weak? Or you talk to your 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 goaltenders. Where is he weak? Where is he weak? Blah 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 blah. But through the game, I mean, come on. I mean, the game's too fast for that. I think anal- analytics to me is is all about uh, maybe baseball or football where it's, where it's static. So there's, there's time in between plays where you can, you can analyze what's going to happen the next pitch or the next play. Um, you can dissect it uh, in between each play hockey, no chance. I mean, in between periods, you can break things down. That's okay. But uh, gosh, just, it's such a fun sport, you know, just let the talent and, and, and the hockey IQ uh, take over. You know, there's too many, too much information coming at the guys now, in, in my mind, anyways. Uh, with that being said, and you brought up baseball, I mean, I, I not that I have a question here, but I think it's more of a point. People are talking about how, you know, like a great movie, Moneyball, right? Like, right. like well, that kind of awesome that's kind of taken over. That's kind of taken over pro sports, hasn't it? I and mean, it's the pretty pro much sports what you got. across the board. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. you want to talk about what killed baseball? Is yeah. like, you know, like rather than you know, take like, I think the new philosophy, I'm not a baseball guy, but you're taking 
and reading pitches for home runs. You're not taking swings yeah. to hit base or you're taking That's swings right. to hit, get on base. You're not taking swings to get home runs. I don't go to base. I grew up playing baseball till I was like 13 and then I got bored of it because hockey was faster, but, uh, I don't go to baseball games. I don't watch baseball. It's just there's it, there's nothing there. But it that's yeah. one of those huge sports where like statistically, what can we do to get on base percentages, home runs, blah blah. Right. blah. right. So. I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's it, it was always kind of like that, but yet the manager still had to manage. But I, I think with the technology of video and the addition of a million coaches, mm-hmm. I mean, you just you're just flooded with information coming at you all the time and. I guess that's, you know, what they look at it. Um, you know, it'd be great if, if the game was, you know, cut down a little bit. Like I said, I, I think hockey would be a better game if you only had two, two coaches on the bench. Yeah. You know, one main coach and an assistant coach. One, one takes care of the D, one takes care of If you want to wear a headset and have a guy upstairs, fine. And then go in, in between periods and, and look at your video. Fantastic. But let the coach coach. Yeah. I mean, that, the coaches don't even really coach anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just to, to me, they just flip the lines. I mean, yeah, are you going to match lines? Sure, but he's probably getting a call down from, from upstairs. Okay, these guys are doing this, you know, or watching them from this angle, yada, yada, yada. Where back in the day, the coach had to really be on his toes to figure out what was going on and, and maybe go with a gut feeling. Yeah, you're feeling out you the know, game, right? You're feeling mm-hmm. the game. You know, these three guys or these two guys are gone. I'm going to play them a little bit more double shift or what have you put them out on the penalty kill, put them out on the power play. And you just can't do it. just don't do that anymore. I, you know, the, once in a while, you, know, you, you may get a coach that, you know, uh, goes against the, the, the grain, I guess you will. And, and, you know, calls his own hunch. game on a hunch. Yeah. Uh, Kirk, I did want to ask, you know, we talked to, you brought it up a little bit about like the changes in gear and, you know, obviously yeah. from, you know, like you look back in the day when, uh, uh, you were playing in the way chest pads were worn where like you oh. had a legit body and arm, you know, yeah. like, when you started out to like where yeah. things are at. Do you, I mean, do you have any strong takes? So you, do you think it's kind of a, a sad thing where goalies are crying about chest protectors getting smaller? Do you not, is it not even on well, your radar? I, you know, you hear, I, I get, you know, I get ticked off when I just hear about and complain about anything, not just the goaltenders, but player, the, the professional player in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, the guys can shoot, like nobody else's business now. And it's not just one or two guys per team. It's every, every single player from the top player to the, to, to a, a fringe, uh, a fourth line or, or seventh defenseman, they all can shoot the puck. They're in such good shape. Yep. And, uh, you know, they work on their skills daily, 365 days a year. And, and so I understand that because it freaking hurts. Right. <laughs> but I can't see the stuff getting uh, smaller. I mean, you, you got bigger goalies now. They're six three, six four. You, I mean, you have to build bigger equipment for their their size. Yeah. And yeah, you can take care of the, you know, the width of the pads and the gloves, and you can still do that with the body armor. And I think that the, the game's in a good place. But you know, uh, as far as that, uh, um, you know, the goalies obviously the position now is played mostly in the butterfly, and their lateral movement in their butterfly is blows me away. They're amazing athletes and. And it now comes down to the percentage of the analytics, uh, you know, the, the, yeah. the different positions that they use or that they call them with their hands up and they're paddled down. And, you know, guys, guys are, 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 are shooting from bad angles now and finding spots because the players are, are see the video and they, they learn pretty quickly. I mean, 
you're getting you're getting scored scored on short side short side high from impossible angles. That's not a good goal. No. But they're taught to play there, and if it doesn't hit them, it beats them. Um, if I'm a, if I'm a uh, a coach or a assistant coach or whatever you may, I'm telling my players to shoot from anywhere and shoot at the goalie's head. Mm-hmm. Because if, if anything, it's going to go off his head and in the net or somewhere. You know, there, there's 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 holes everywhere. It doesn't matter how big the goaltender is. You know, obviously, if you get in his way, if he can't see it, it's pretty tough for them to find it. And, and if they do see it, these days, the goalies are so good. They're going to stop it from a distance for the most part. But, uh, you know, we can go through the, you know, the, the, the travel, the accommodation, the, 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 uh, the, uh, nutrition, all that kind of stuff. I was like, come on, we used to fly middle seats and on a commercial plane, layovers. I mean, the, the business now of the game is really certain, certainly got to where it was and I'm happy for them. Don't get me wrong because we fought, we fought for them uh, as a players association to, to, to get to where they, they got to. And now they're, they're obviously getting better mm-hmm. and better and becoming um, closer and closer uh, to the footballs or the baseballs, um, as as the guys before us uh, uh, fought uh, uh, for us to get what we got, and uh, but I just don't say, don't give me the I'm tired and this. Yes, they play at a super high pace, but they get their four mandatory days off a month, mm-hmm. and then whatever the, whatever the coach wants to give them on top of that, whether it be just individuals getting their their maintenance days or whatever it have been. It's just come on, the game the game is is not even close to being as physical as it used to be. I mean, it's fast, and most of the times, if they hit each other, it's because they run into each other. They don't see each other. No, it's not a, it's not on purpose, right? Because that's that part of the game is disappearing. Because I don't know why. Um, the more the onus is on the the guy making the hit now than it is the guy carrying the puck. Where back in the day, is if you're carrying the puck, you got your head down, you're going to get creamed. Yep. So, uh, and, and I completely understand why with head injuries, we do not want head injuries because we know what can happen with that. And, and you know, we've all had past teammates or teammates, you know, that have, are going through um, bad times right now because of, of head injuries. And, and of course, we've, we've lost a, a lot of our fraternity uh, uh, due to uh, head injuries and mental health issues. So we do definitely have to stay on top of that, but I still think, um, you know, there's an art to making a hit and there's an art to receiving a hit and, and the equipment to me, it needs to be changed. If you cut back on the equipment and the players, I think you'll see that because again, it's body armor for them, all the plastic that's involved. It's, they go hundred miles an hour and you, and, you're, and you see it in minor hockey and or junior hockey tier two college, uh, major, major, uh, the major leagues, as far as the, the dub or the, the O or the yep. Q and, and, uh, these kids are, are getting bigger, stronger, faster at an early age, and they need to learn how to protect themselves. Now, I think it is, a, you, you may correct me if I'm wrong in minor hockey, there's no hitting till, till midget, I guess, can't even say that anymore un- under 16 or whatever it is under 17. They don't. They've taken it out of bantam hockey, uh, or is it bantam hockey now that they can start to hit? I'm not. I sure. think they bumped it up to 14s because we it used to be where like you were at 12s where we teach kids to hit. We're now like I work with a 2011 team, so it's 12U. Like right. it's taught going through the hands. Like you don't. You're not. 
teaching anyone to like hit anybody, but you're right. introducing contact to like, okay, you go through the triangle, stick hands and skates, but like right. you try not to blow somebody up. So, well, I mean, that's respect, right? I mean, you got to have the respect for, uh, for your opponent and, and their body um, of course. And, and, and the referees can, referees can look after that. And of course, you know, the coaching at minor hockey, but sometimes I, I think they're, they're, you know, when you become 16 years old, there's some kids that grow pretty fast now. And, and there's a big difference. Six foot in four, body, two, four in body <laughs> types. Exactly. And then of course, then if they make the jump at 16 to junior hockey, now they're playing with 20 year olds. Yeah, uh, some of them and that's have been hitting big, for four years four, that know what they're doing that's that's right it's a big difference so uh, you know i i I, I appreciate what they're trying to do but i, I think they gotta kind of take a step backwards and and you know you know get a happy medium somewhere i i really truly believe in the shoulder pads and the elbow pads that they need that they need to look at those mm-hmm. look look at the, the protection that way because guys know if if you know, if, if you're wearing lighter equipment or less equipment, I shouldn't say less equipment, just maybe not as a, a protective, it's still protective, but not like it is now. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't make contact with somebody else the proper way, you're going to get injured. Yeah. You know, where now is if, if you do, it's very rarely do you see somebody get, get injured, making the hit, um, out, an out of control hit, if you will. For sure. Kyle, what were you going to say? going to say i think the way that the game's changed it's like now almost when you when you do see a hit it might be yeah. a little bit worse because the, the speed is so much faster and now oh yeah the, absolutely the collision for sure yeah. um you know but the, the player has to be aware of his surroundings the guy that carries yeah. that's carrying the plot and and they're not so that's why i think sometimes it looks really bad and of course very rarely do you see a, a nice open ice hit and when it is, I mean, automatically the guy's got to turn around and look for five guys coming That's after a fight. him. Yeah. Somebody wants yeah. to fight. Why? I mean, you can take his number and get him back with a clean hit or, or you can, you know, you can't even go over and intimidate and go over and say something to the guy because that's not even allowed in the game anymore. Yeah. You know, you know, you can't go over. Okay. Little, little Johnny, your superstar, whoever is, you know, you better keep your head up because I'm coming after you type thing. Yeah. Can't do you was, can't do that anymore. Was uh was that Paul Korea hit uh, around the time when you were in the league? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. What uh, what was kind of the know, thoughts of that well, in, in that day? I mean, that possibly late, you know, for sure. Um, you know, but that was that was Stevens, right? That hit him. Was it Stevens that hit him, or was it uh, um, Sutter? Who was it that hit him? I thought it was Stevens. Scott Stevens. Was it, was it Stevens? Yeah. Who was obviously known for that? Yeah. Um, Lindros, you know, but, you know, he was questionably a lot of times, you know, one Mississippi too late. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, he was a big lad and, and, uh, you know, he hit you hard and you certainly had to be aware. But that, you know, those ones are, uh, you know, they're, they're on the edge. They're teetering that, you know, I, I could go either way on that one. You just don't like to see a guy like Paul career, who is, you know, half the size get cream like that. And, and uh, you know, he was a, a big part of the game. He was a wonderful talent. And you need guys like that in the league without a doubt. Yeah. Um, circling back here, Kirk, to get back, more back about 
like your game and where it came from. I was interested in how you got into goaltending just because yeah. like, for me, when I was a kid, it was like playing street hockey with the wings. They had Dominic Hasek. Like you want to talk about a guy who didn't play like a robot who had his yeah. own, like even like you can't even really compare it to what was happening in the nineties, two thousands. Cause he was just so different. It was a lot of throwing himself yeah. around, but his compete was just, you know, you heard about it in reports, like totally. in, in practice, he got pissed off when he got scored on. You know, like yeah. he 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 kept his goals against through a whole practice, which in a whole practice you're seeing a lot, a lot of shots. And like yeah. when I'd go out in the street, I'm throwing myself around and it was all about the gear and everything like that. What was getting in the position like for you? Well, yeah, well going to, to Dominic, there's a classic example about just stop the puck. Yep. Like it, it didn't matter how he stopped the puck, he just stopped the puck. Yeah. <laughs> and and created his own his own style you know ed belfort had his own style i had my own style mike richter had his own style you know we, we certainly had our our influences but uh um and you could see that probably from you know goaltenders before us but you know i got into goaltending you know I, like i said i grew up in toronto my my heroes were bernie and bernie Perrant and Jacques plant yep. Jacques at the end bernie just kind of you know coming into his his, his own before he got traded to, to uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then when he was gone, anyway, Doug Favell came in for him. And then we had Mike Palmatier, you know, who was, who was the goaltender in Toronto for, for a while, who, you know, it was, what was fun to watch. There's another kid, another kid, another, another goaltender that uh, had his own style. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the same thing. It was just about stopping the puck. And, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I just took a liking to Jacques and Bernie and that's, kind of what I emulated myself after I started as a player, um, you know, for my first two and a half years of house league hockey and, and hockey school. Um, but I was always, um, fascinated with the goaltending position and, and, um, you know, I just kind of fell into it one, one year. And, and I think it was the second, my second year of, of minor hockey, mm-hmm. house league hockey. And, we needed a goalie like halfway through the season. I put my hand up with another another teammate, and here we go. <laughs> here we go, exactly. So, Kirk, I wanted I you know like there's a lot of gear, but I asked a question from uh, a great a great family, the Macalones. They're out west. I probably butchered their name, um, but uh, what is his Instagram? Little Beast. I'll have to look it up, but they're huge fans of your yours. And I wanted to reach out to them because they're the people I know out West. And I didn't know this, but I finally found some like pictures, articles. What was up with the weird on the bottom of the skates? Yeah. Well, that became kind of a uh, superstition type of thing um, where myself and, and the, uh, the equipment trainers and our training staff at the time, we just, started calling each other weird. And then of course, when we leave the locker room, they can do whatever they want with, with equipment. Yeah. And so Pat O'Neill, uh, who's still a, the head equipment manager here, Shout out, Patty. Um, he just uh, decided one game to put weird on the bottom of my cowling. And, and uh, I actually went on a winning streak. So it just, it just became part of my equipment. So every time, a new pair of skates came in, or if he just changed the cowling on the, on the, uh, on the boot, he would always write weird on the end. And then of course there's a few photos out there or, uh, billboards slash, uh, posters that, uh, you know, have, have my skate, you know, flashing weird on it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So it was a pure, pure superstition. That's all it was. <laughs> and, and the fact that the, the, uh, the training staff have the last word. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't think, uh, fans realize how much, you know, like they get involved and they're so hands on, you know, like, like you said, yeah. players leave equipment managers, trainers, they're still there making sure everything's taken care of yeah. and done. Um, totally. Have, have, you know, you know uh, I, I, real quick, I was going to say, have you, uh, you know, the, the guy I had in Topeka, if he didn't like a kid, he'd take their toques off the skate, fill it with like Skittles and then screw them back on. And like the whole time their, their skates are just rattling. That guy would, that guy would poke holes in like visiting teams gitch. I heard yeah. That. Yeah. Like, you poke holes in our gitch. Yeah. Popper, yeah. Uh, Popper was in the Nall South and he's got some stories. He'd freeze uh Kirk, get this. He would take, like, if you, if you try to give him your gitch, too late or you sharpen the skates like he'll hand like if you go to him and hand him a pair of skates 10 minutes before you're on the ice he's he one he won't do them you'll get returned but two the next day you come in he'll take all your gits your jerseys your socks everything and he'll put it in a tub of water freeze it overnight and then you'll you, all your stuff's in a block of ice for the next game yeah. he he doesn't he's the type of guy who didn't take a lot of flack so yeah well patty was pretty good and and whoever he had surrounding him darren grange who's who's uh the head guy in los angeles now yeah grange was was around so uh and then prior to that before i don't know if you remember the name kenny flager who was before patty came from winnipeg that's who we had and kenny ended up going to boston for years um they were pretty laid-back guys And, and you know what at the end of the day you know going back to the weird story as well i think i was one of the the more normal or if, if it's a word, the normalist goaltender uh, that they've ever come across. I'm pretty easy, easy going and laid back. Um, you know, Patty pretty much knew when I needed my, my skate sharpened, I would, you know, I would, I would sharpen them probably once every two weeks or something, unless it got hit up against a post or something like that. Uh, I basically wore my equipment off it was stock equipment and just, you know, wore it right out of the box. That first day, I could probably wear it in a game, no problem. My sticks were pretty simple, and you know, you know, I made it pretty easy for for Patty. I wasn't st- stitching up stuff and all that kind of stuff, or needed stuff stitched up all the time. Where it was quite interesting when when I played with Arthur Urbe. Oh, he, he was he was like Artie was like a, like an equipment manager in his yeah. own. You know, he'd sharpen his skates. He was like incredible hand sewer. Like he'd be sewing stuff everywhere. And it was, it was, he was always working and, and tinkering with his gear, but, uh, you know, I was pretty, pretty simple. You know, I just, you know, pulled everything out of the box and just went with it. I went through a lot of, a lot of gloves, uh, especially gloves in, in a year because I, they, they were so minimal as far as padding and, yep. and, and, uh, you know, I'd go through one once a month, maybe pads, mm-hmm. probably three times a month, same thing, or three times a year, uh, skates probably the same ones, you know, for most of them, maybe two pairs of skates, uh, a couple, a couple of counting chairs blocker. I would use the whole, two, the whole year, two, just, just change the, uh, change the palm. That's it. Two pairs of skates a season or in the whole career? Not a season, probably max two pair. Okay. So you're, that's yeah. pretty typical with, with what today was. I yeah. don't know. I feel like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, my, my skates were, were fairly st- were stiff enough that, uh, you know, I did, they didn't break down that much. I just kind of, I just made sure that I had enough uh, blade on my, on my cowling that, uh, mm. um, you know, get me by. I, I, I it took a, it took a while because I, I started with the old Bauer 
skates with a steel blade. And I love those. And we tried to buy out as many as we can, as we could to keep, because, you know, obviously they were going to run out and then we had to go to the, the carbon, the carbon blade and all that kind of stuff. It took a while to get used to that. Cause I like the little rocker on my blade, on my skate blade. And that uh, was, it was kind of tough to do it with those, with those carbon. Mind you, it was, it was, it was great for the, the trainers because they didn't have to worry about, you know, bending the blade back for making skate staves or, 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 you know, <laughs> you know, putting new rivets in because they're, they're popping out because you're making skate staves. There's a lot of work for them. I would have never even thought about that. Cause obviously yeah. that was at that point in time, skate saves a huge, you know, that, like that's a save source. Yeah. That's, that's pretty standard stuff, but I would have never even thought about like, yeah, those guys, like, so you make one in the first and then you got to go in bend the steel back because it's you know yeah. out your rivets are starting to pull you got no no leverage on the skate oh man yeah, yeah. so it's a whole a whole different dynamics now i mean i look at i look at the uh it's great the way that the, the game is the, the equipment's changed and mm-hmm. you know obviously the, the way the goalie gear is made now for the way they play the game uh you know the skates included you know it just looks like a regular skate from afar Mm-hmm. And then of course, when you get up, you can tell the difference, but uh, it's pretty cool. And you don't need, you know, any cowlings because they, t- your toe cap's not exposed. You got a pad over top of your, your toe cap. Right. And, and then of course, nobody makes a skate save no. <laughs> unless it's by <laughs> fluke. Right? Maybe, maybe the outside, the, the outside of their, their, their skate, but definitely not in the inside. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I did want to see, did like hockey you can know we kind of talked about it and i'd like to ask more about travel but the game itself like i went through a lot of guys that you were played with like in the league mm-hmm. between 92 93 belfort cujo bob Asenza, mm-hmm. bill ranford vernon patty wah coco and moger were still out there hextall you brought up urbe like even k whitmore yeah. did you have any rivalries against like other guys that you were playing against or guys like you mark on the calendar Oh, I'm gonna see you know Kay here. This is gonna be a big one. Yeah, you know, well, Kay, Kay and I were partners for five, six years. Yep. So it was awesome. We we were we were rivals in junior. I was in Oshawa. He was in Peterborough. Um, but I was not that kind of goalie or that player. I never I never looked at. I looked at the team we were playing, but I never really went as far as going. Okay, you know, obviously we played the time we played Calgary 600 times a year. So <laughs> Vernie, Vernie was always a, you know, a rival goaltender because of the other team. And then, you know, when Patrick came to Colorado and Colorado, uh, when, when Colorado came into the, into, into the, uh, into the mix, that was kind of a little, little rival, uh, you know, Grant, you know, being in, in, uh, in Edmonton those years and then Kelly Rudy and in, in LA, um, uh, you know, those, and Asenza, when he was in, in, uh, in Winnipeg, those, you know, we, those old divisional games and conference, you know, there was, we played, we played each other so many times a year, you know, with, with preseason, you know, we, I think we would play each other at least eight times regular season. Uh, and then of course, playoffs, if it would always be Edmonton, Winnipeg or, or, or Calgary, we never really played Edmonton or excuse me Calgary uh, Winnipeg and, and LA always seem to be the, the, the three teams that we would we'd play in the playoffs Edmonton once in a while but uh, definitely Calgary so Vernie you know I you see them all the time yep um the other thing I wanted to bring up and I noticed this one of the legends that you got to play with was Pavel Burry what mm-hmm. uh I mean what was that like getting having to practice against him regularly well there's a guy like I said earlier on that was 
there was always a couple guys that could shoot the puck per team back then. And he was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Sandlack was the other, uh, but Pavel, as you know, I just loved the game, loved to score, whether it was practice and obviously in the games, that was, that was his pr- whole purpose was to score goals. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, he would come down without any hesitation and rip one, whether it would be high, low or whatever. And he could, he could shoot the puck. And then of course, You'd, you'd have a few choice words for him once in a while if it went up around the head, but he would just kind of look at you and do his little laugh that he had and, and then come down and, you know, fake a slap shot and try and make you look stupid with a deke or something like that. But he was a great challenge in, in, uh, in practice because, you know, you know, he, he loved to score even in practice and he would bear down all the time coming in on you. So you had to be on your toes. It was good. It was, it was, a it was a good thing to have. It's so, good. Go ahead, Evan. No, so I mean, we're just kind of getting, you know, talking about all the all the guys, you know, you got to play with and uh, cross paths with and stuff like that. And I feel like we'd almost be doing a disservice if we didn't bring up the the World Cup team that you were on. I mean, just to name a few of the guys: Stevie Y, Theo Fleury, uh, yeah. Paul Coffey, Rick Tockett, Gilmore McKinnis, Newendike. I mean. What was that yeah. experience like? And, you know, is there any cool well, stories you can share? It, it was, it was uh, incredible. You know, Dave King was our coach and he was still a big part of uh, the Hockey Canada uh, group at the time. And, and uh, uh, Brian Murray uh, was our general manager um, for the tournament. And, and it was an amazing experience because um, at that time, you know, it, you're going representing your country. So it's obviously fantastic, but it also meant that you either didn't make the playoffs or you got beat out real early in the playoffs. And then they, they started bringing guys over, <laughs> which they did with like Newendike and, and uh, Gilmore and Iserman, you know, they came a little bit later. We had a crew of guy crew of guys that went over for a month before uh, the tournament actually started. So the guys that didn't make the playoffs, uh, from our team, myself, Jim Sandlack, Greg Adams went over. I think Doug Litzer as well might have been there. But uh, um, and we toured, we toured uh, uh, Europe. I, that's the first time I, I had the opportunity to, to see Dominic Dominic Hasek and, and play against him because he was we toured through Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia at the time, mm-hmm. and he was their he was their uh, their goaltender, uh, up and coming goaltender then. So uh, incredible experience, and then and then playing in the tournament. Um, you know, Pavel played in it as a 17-year-old, I think, or a 17-year-old, or maybe 18-year-old. He was still underage because he had to wear a mask in the like tournament. Wild. <laughs> so, 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 get to, getting to know him, we all heard about him and heard about what he was about. Had no clue that he was going to become a Vancouver Canuck at the time. We just knew his reputation uh, as we were preparing for the game against uh, against the Russians at the time. And uh, you know, we had such a good great team on on paper and then you know we could we just kind of came up short as far as uh, we lost in the quarterfinals to a Swedish team that was pretty good and um, I think they may have went on to win it that year I'm not sure but uh, very disappointing obviously because we didn't come home with a medal and uh, you know you wear your heart in your sleeve when you're you're playing for your country and you always want to you know bring some kind of hardware back but uh, unfortunately we didn't for sure and I mean going on kind of jumping back in the career a little bit, but um, I was looking and you played your first, first NHL game after your uh, 
20-year-old season of junior. Right. I when I saw that, I was I was pretty surprised because I feel like that's that's pretty unheard of. And I mean, I don't know if the game was different back then. I just kind of wanted to get yeah. on it because that's well, it was actually today. I was I was actually 19 because I, I only played three years of junior. I actually was drafted as a 16-year-old, but stayed back and played. Uh, another year of midget because I thought that was going to be the best for my development. And it turned out to be the best. Uh, um, our, our coach at the time, Paul Terrio, wasn't a, a big believer in giving rookie rookie players a lot of ice time. So I would have sat a lot. <laughs> Peter Sidorkish Peter was the other goaltender at the time. And then he actually came back that, that last year that you're talking about, the next year as an overage. But uh, it was my 19th year. I was finishing my last year junior. And, yeah, I got called up for the last three games of the season. Um, you know, I, I, the first game was in Quebec. So um, I, I got there and, and uh, sat on the bench for that game. And then the last two games were, were against the Islanders, who are just coming at the, at the end of their dynasty. So they had everybody, Billy Smith. Trache, Nystrom, Gillies, uh, Potvin, you name it, Bossy, yeah, I said Bossy, uh, uh, Butch Goring, every, everybody. So we go into Long Island the first night, and um, Doug Carpenter was our coach at the time. Elaine Chevier was our goalie. Uh, he was like the sacrificial lamb for a few years after Craig Billington had got sent, sent back down after our draft year. He played a full year, almost 18-year-old up there. Uh, Chico Rash had just retired. Uh, Hanu Kampuria, I mean, there's a Carl Friesen, Ron Lowe just retired. And so it was a plethora of goaltenders. Sean Burke was coming up through Hockey Canada program. So, so we go into, we go into uh, the Nassau Coliseum, Long Island, and I'm not starting that night, but it's like four minutes into the game, we're down four nothing, pretty much. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, not looking over at the coach, took my head down, you know, hoping that he's not going to come over and give me a tap. <laughs> Bam. I just get this big whack on my, on my look over on you go, get in there. I'm like, Oh my God. So away I go into the, into the game. And my first save that I make is a Clark Gillies breakaway, make the save. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Not so bad. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, we ended up losing the game. They got three on me for the, for two periods and a half. So I was happy with that. We lost like seven, I don't know, seven, two or something like that. And the, the next night we go back into Jersey and uh, I get, I get the tap that I'm going to be starting. I'm like, Oh my God. And you know, my, my, uh, all my pals drove up from Toronto. My parents couldn't make it. They had to work, mm-hmm. um, you know, and of course games aren't televised like they are now. So uh, at least I, I had some, some uh, neighborhood support there, which was fantastic. And, you know, I can remember, going out for warm up, you know, doing what we do for warm up, just at the, the, the red line doing whatever stretches I, I did or didn't do. And, you know, Billy Smith just comes over and just crouches down with me, gives me a little pat you know, on the show, on the, on the pant or the pad and says, just enjoy the moment. Have fun with it. Good luck. thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, we go out there and have a pretty good game. I think, you know, we're, we're, we're going into the, uh, the third period we're winning five, three going into the third period. And I'm like, okay, it's pretty good. What can go wrong? <laughs> and, and then, you know, at the end of the day, nothing went wrong because we got the win. So my first game, my first starting game, I got the win. What was great. But the, the deal was we ended up winning the game nine, seven at the end of the night. So it became a little bit of a shootout, <laughs> but uh, you know, to be able to, to get in there, my, my first start, 
against a legendary team uh, and get the win. I didn't really care what the score was. I got the W and, and it was quite a feeling. That's pretty cool too, Billy, to kind of come over, give yeah. you a tap on the pad and That's say, true. hey, like, have yeah. fun, kid. That's what I was yeah. going to say. He doesn't seem like, you know, all the videos you see of him, he doesn't seem like the guy that would really do that. Well, he's an intense guy. And I got to know him really well afterwards through uh, an ex-teammate who, who played with him in Long Island, went to his wedding, and they were all there. And then at, at near the end of my career when I was playing in Florida, he was my uh, my goalie coach down there, myself and Sean Burke when we were both down there. So uh, he's a great guy. He 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 lived out here for quite a while out out in the White Rock White Rock area in Vancouver here area uh, for quite a while. I don't know where he's located now, but uh, he's a character without a doubt. And talking about a competitor, uh, one of the OGs at that. Of course, you know he was, you know he was one of the the clutch goaltenders of the. The, you know, the late seventies or the early eighties anyways, that run that they went through. He, he was the guy that uh, was, you know, Grant, what Grant Fuhrer became for yeah. the Oilers, uh, you know, after that. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's a fun guy to be around without a doubt, but yeah, it was a guy that you kind of had to kind of keep your distance from because you didn't know if he was going to poke your eyes out with a, with a <laughs> stick or not or break your leg. <laughs> oh man. Um. Evan, you got anything else there? Um, Timmy? I was, I was in a, uh, just the, the night I was looking, obviously, you know, you scroll through the roster or your, your page and everything like that. And I saw the, uh, you know, 97, 98 season, obviously that was the year it kind of got shipped around a little bit. Yeah. What was, uh, like, what were like the reasoning behind it or was it just kind of well, the way it worked and. I've got my own reasoning behind it, but, um, you know, what happened was, is after 94, then, uh, the next year was a lockout. We come back in, there's only half a season. Um, we had a great 42 games or whatever. And then we went in and we, I think we ended up losing in the conference final to, uh, where we, where we lose the conference final to Chicago or Edmonton. I think it was Chicago or Edmonton. I can't remember. And then the next year, the team kind of got blown up uh, as far as, uh, you know, yeah. guys either didn't re-sign or, or, or Pat, Pat decided we were, the team's going in a new direction because we, we sold the team to the, uh, the Griffiths family had sold the team to the, to the McCaw family uh, moving into the new, the new arena. And uh, then Mark Messier signed, which, you know, everybody was over the, moon about we thought this was the greatest thing since sliced bread and and then i don't know about quarter way through the season halfway through the season in around just before christmas or just after you know pat ended up getting fired and then there was kind of a trickle effect of kind of his his boys if you will myself martin jelena went and then trevor went and then you know uh gino went and pavel gone and you know it just trickled all the way down where you know, Keenan came in and uh, uh, Tambellini, Steve Tambellini and him kind of shared the duties of the GM and the, the team just was going in a completely diff uh, different direction. And, you know, I, I would, like I said earlier in the, in, the, in the podcast that, you know, I was completely devastated when it happened, maybe a little bit too naive, but I, I really thought at that time I'd been here 11 years 
and uh, you know my basically my twelfth year of pro hockey, thinking that there's a pretty good chance I'm going to finish my career out, sign you know maybe one more contract and finish out the career, whatever role that may be, whether they wanted to keep me around as uh, 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 the backup goaltender and tutor, whatever goaltender they wanted to come in. You know, I was ready for that, and and uh, you know. And, and, you know, maybe I just got a little bit too complacent and, and I can t- honestly tell you, I never really totally, totally got over it. You know, I struggled when I got to, to Carolina, I was just kind of in a, a, a shitty headspace and Carolina was a new, new club uh, expansion or not expansion. Hartford had moved there and, you know, our, our, we were living in Raleigh, practicing in Raleigh, but our home games were in Greensboro. So, I mean, you're traveling an hour and a half to get to your home games after pregame skate. So it was just kind of what the heck's going on here. So I, I, I kind of under, and, and Jimmy Rutherford, who's here now, is the one who traded for me and was an awesome guy. And, and uh, but I just felt really out of place and kind of asked for a trade at the trading deadline there and went to Florida and, you know, Beezer was there and um, thought me, me and Beezer were going to be the goalies. And then they traded Beezer to Philly, I believe it was. And Sean Burke came in and, the next year we had, so we had a good, good relationship because we knew each other from our junior days. And then of course our, our days in, in New Jersey. And, you know, that was great. I mean, living in Florida was fantastic and playing for the Panthers, you know, a few years before that, they had their run to the Stanley cup. Um, uh, great, great ownership there. Then they, they did whatever, as they did in Carolina, they did whatever was needed to keep trying to make the guys feel comfortable and, and, uh, you know, hockey oriented and, and it was awesome. It was just, again, a weird feeling here in South Florida, you play nine holes before practice and the, and the back nine on the way home after that. And it, it was, it was, it really was like groundhog day. You get up, wake up in the morning, put your shorts and flip flops on. It was whatever it was, 80 degrees out every day and just beautiful drive to the rink, get to the rink, complete hockey feel you know you, without a doubt you felt like you're part of a hockey organization in a hockey town but as soon as you leave the rink it was the weirdest feeling ever and, and uh and you know not to say it was not not good it just the hockey vibe wasn't wasn't there and we were we, we were kind of a mediocre team so the stands weren't full most nights and and it was tough to tough to play there sometimes but uh i, I did enjoy my time and then, uh, as I mentioned, I thought possibly I could get back to Vancouver and finish it off here. It didn't work. So I ended up signing with the Rangers for two years, and, and which was kind of odd the first time I stepped in the locker room there because of the 94 series and what have you. But I tell you what, it was uh, two of the best, best years of my career as far as experience-wise. Uh, even though, you know, I had, I had a great partner with Mike Richter, like first-class guy, total professional um, and got along with him uh, extremely well. And, and uh, Adam Graves is just an incredible dude. Brian Leach is like just an incredible hockey player. Um, and again, on paper, we had a bunch of great hockey players and, you know, we were somewhat stacked to try and make a run at the, at the, at the, uh, at the Stanley cup, but became pretty dysfunctional pretty quickly with, you know, a couple of, a couple of things that happened and unfortunately, you know, uh, and just, it never, it never did happen. And of course, after 
I finished there again, tried to get back here for maybe one more year and, you know, practice with the guys before training camp, hoping, you know, they, the coaching staff or whoever would see something and it just didn't happen. So I hung them up, you know, that was, that was the end of it. And like I said, it was a, it was a nice little, I guess, four or five year adventure after I got traded away. But, uh, you know, I wanted to finish back here and finish as a, as a Canuck, retire as a Canuck, but it didn't, it didn't work out. And, you know, the body was breaking down and, and uh, it was time for me to, to kind of push away and, and, uh, and hang them up. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, when you look back at it all though, Kirk, it's the career is impressive and the people and the you know players that you got to play with is pretty sweet. Yeah. You know, I would obviously wouldn't give it up for, for anything, a couple of, you know, moments where wish we could have, you know, obviously pulled off the 94 uh, finals and, you know, you know, maybe a few other playoff runs, uh, you know, get to the next level, but uh, you know, what an experience really. Hey, you know, here we are, you know, boyhood dream to get into the NHL and, and, uh, and do something that you love for a living, a kid's game at the end of the day. And, and uh, um, you know, I wouldn't give it up. You know, I'd make, wonderful uh, relationships here in Vancouver and not just with, you know, with, the, you know, my inner network and hockey and, yeah. and friends and, uh, you know, but the, just the, the people of British Columbia and, and Vancouver and the, and the surrounding areas have just been unbelievable to, to me. And, and um, you know, you know, I become a Vancouverite and a, and a, and a BC boy, I guess you will, even though I grew up in Toronto and Ontario uh, very quickly, and I and I'm proud to to call myself Vancouverite, and and uh, proud of the province of BC. Well, that's awesome, Kirk. Uh, we appreciate it a bunch, man. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us. No, I'm um, glad we got to do this. This is awesome. Good for yeah, you guys. Very fun. Thank you. Uh, you know, in the future, you let us know if you need anything. You're gonna put the pads back on. You just oh, let us know. I will. Don't don't worry about. It. I'll be coming. I hope you still have all my specs. Yeah, we'll, the, we'll get it somewhere all in the, in the vault. Somewhere in the vault, <laughs> yeah, my specs. I got a one one more thing to end on here. I mean, I'm, I'm I know you're in the the legacy pad, so yeah. you know now we moved into velocity. What number yeah. velocity pad do you think we're on now? Gosh, that's a good question. But I had visions as well. The old vision pad too. There was a Vaughn Vision, I believe. Yep. After the, after the legacy, and then the velocity came in. I, gosh, what velocity? You're on now, twenty. I mean, it's it's not here yet, but we're gonna get to ten. We're, we're yeah, we got 10, a couple okay. guys wearing. So what's it, yeah. he's actually kind of right because it it releases every other year with the SLR, right? Yeah, okay. Another line. So we're yeah. it's kind yeah. of the twentieth year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Keep yeah. rolling. I mean, you guys uh, have obviously you know done very well. You know, I can remember the very beginnings when 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 the pad was first starting out of London, Ontario with uh, Roth, Ross Agathis and, and the crew. And, and of course, Scott Carter here in, in Vancouver was part of it. And, um, um, you know, Brown was was one of the originators, obviously, back in the day, Kaniski's Brown. And then all of a sudden, these uh, these Vaughn, Vaughn pads came along. Craig Billington was one of the first, first uh, goaltenders that I um, saw wearing them and, and became you know, obviously interested in the product uh, from what he was wearing. So, so congratulations on your longevity and keep on building some awesome product. And, and like you said, maybe one day I'll be able to 
throw the stuff back on and you guys can build me something of old. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kirk. Have a great one. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Enjoy. Thank you. Thanks. We'll see ya.